I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. Welcome to another team preview edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast, brought to you by the 48MinutesNetwork.com. Joining me this week, as always, Mr. Sean Mackey. Sean, what's up? Hey, what's going on? I'm excited. We are. We have one team left in the Eastern Conference after today. Well, they were the number one team last year, so it's it's fitting that uh, that we're doing them last. Yes, absolutely. So joining us to do this week's podcast, you can check him out as his co-site expert of RaptorsRapture.com, Mr. Mike Bassetti. Mike, welcome to 48 Minutes. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Well, I guess you guys kind of answered it already, so. <laughs> hey, that's all right. That's all right. It's kind of like that pop, that podcast lingo at the beginning of the conversation everyone has. Hi, yeah. how are you? You know, it's just, it's common. Yeah. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about Raptors Rapture. Tell us about yourself, um, how you got involved into the website and it looks like a, whatever like work you do outside or in the social media world tell us how, how you got involved with everything so i actually started writing about three years ago i started writing for behind the buck pass um i was a contributor there for a while i saw a spot open up with the raptures raptors rapture and i joined about a year and a half ago and have been covering the team ever since now are you currently in toronto I'm not. I so I don't live in Toronto. Uh, I've been a couple of times to kind of go to games and to cover a couple of games, but other than that, I do not live there full time. Oh, right on. Well, cool, man. Well, we're excited to have you. Um, so we'll get right into the interview. Obviously, the first question is obviously going to be: How excited are Raptors fans that LeBron James not in the East anymore? <laughs> uh, I, it's fair to say pretty excited. I think. It's funny, even if LeBron comes back, I don't think the Cavs are the favorites, obviously. I think the Celtics probably have surpassed them when fully healthy. And with Kawhi Leonard, you would hope that the Raptors would have as well. But it's nice knowing that the person that's eliminated you so many times is finally gone. Well, I think what's funny about the... I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about the Kawhi-DeMar trade quite a bit in this episode. But uh, I find it funny that DeMar DeRozan's like... Awesome, LeBron signed the West. I can finally get away from him. Ah, shit, I got traded to San Antonio. But not that he's, you know, not that he's sad about San Antonio. But it's like he can't get away from LeBron. You know, like the way his luck works. The Spurs and Lakers will probably jolly each other in the playoffs this year, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's how it has to happen for him. And it would be real Raptors fashion for them to lose as perhaps the one seed to the eight seed Cavaliers. So that would really, you know, just put a bow on the entire thing. So, Mike, uh, going back to the last last couple years, um, the Raptors have been fantastic in the regular season. They always tend to run into the Cavaliers, run into you know LeBron James. Um, obviously, uh, 
they thought it was definitely probably a year to make a move after not being able to make it to the finals. A couple years ago, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, are they all chips in on this season, or is there is there room to build from where they're at right now, or are they going to blow it up if, if this experiment this year doesn't work? Well, I think they're halfway in on this, all in this season. So I think that they are real intent on not taking on money past the 2020 season. That's when Kyle Lowry's contract runs up. That's when Serge Ibaka's contract runs up. I believe the only two people on the roster past that season are Norman Paul and OG Ananobi. So I think that they want to make sure that if things do get blown up, that it's not a situation where you have a bunch of dead assets. You can at least clear space. But as far as talent level, I think that they are on the mindset that this is a season to go after it before the 76ers truly find themselves and before Boston really cashes in on all those assets. I think they really think this is the year that the East is going to be the most open for maybe the next decade. Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely a window this season. I know the the Celtics are probably probably a favorite because of all of the all of the players coming back this season and everything, but I feel like the Raptors are kind of getting written off a little bit. I mean, obviously with obtaining uh, Kawhi Leonard over the off season, you know, it, it's going to make them very very good being that, you know, he's going to uh you know, he's I I think he's really going to make this team decent this year, like really, really decent. So, Demar Derozan, uh, he's with the team for nine years, and he ends up he ends up you know obviously getting traded, which was kind of sad because I know a lot of the fans loved it. He loved Toronto. How sad are you to see Demar Derozan leave the team? You know, it's really sad, and the fact that he was the guy who stayed. Bosch left, Carter left when they got their opportunity to go. T-Mac left as well. But at the same time, I mean, it's the business to me. Like, I think that the Celtics didn't do anything wrong when they traded Isaiah Thomas. I don't think the Raptors did anything wrong when they traded DeMar DeRozan. I think that if you're going to have all this player movement and understand that it's a business and they can make the decision they want. I don't think it's fair to turn around and criticize teams when they trade players. I think that it does stink that he has to go and it sucks that it has to be him. But at the same time, you have to make the move that's best for the team and Kawhi Leonard's an upgrade. So they had to do it. When you talk about some of the changes that are obviously made within the franchise, um, one, the big, I mean, another big one besides uh, getting Kawhi Leonard is, uh, replacing the coach of the year. <laughs> so, uh, Dwayne Casey it was elected coach of the year by the sporting news poll and, of course, the NBA. And then the Raptors terminated him after the second round loss to the Cavaliers. Um, they bring you know, they, they promote Nick Nurse to the head coach. That was a name that kind of seemed like as soon as the, the firing happened, he was a name that was immediately mentioned. So, you know, what, what is your reaction to getting rid of Casey? Do you think that was the best move for the team? And how do you feel about Nick Nurse taking over? I do think it's the best. I do think it was the right move for the team. I know that sounds funny, seeing as that he is the coach of the year. But at the same time, I think that someone cannot necessarily deserve to be fired, but it can still be the right decision. I think the Raptors were at a point where they just had to make a change at the coaching level. And, you know, Casey got outcoached by Ty Lue pretty bad in that Cavalier series. And... It would have been interesting to me if they 
did know that this Kawhi Leonard trade was on the table, they still would have fired him. Because I think part of the reason they fired him was you couldn't bring back everybody. It would have just been too debilitating. So I wonder if the decision would have been the same if they knew that this trade was coming up. But at the same time, I think I'm I'm all in with Nick Nurse. I'm a fan of Nick Nurse. I think he was largely responsible for the offensive turnaround last season. So I think it was the right call. Whether that turns out to be true, I guess we'll see. So I want to talk about OG Ananobi because he's a guy that a lot of NBA fans are huge fans of. Um, he's a kind of an under-the-radar player. It's going into his second year. Um, a guy that, honestly, I'm shocked is still a Raptor in the Spurs trade. I'm shocked the Spurs did not say this was the deal we wanted Ananobi or nothing. Um, so, you know, with OG, with the skill level, the assets he has, obviously he's a good fit for Toronto. Um, what do you expect to see from him in this next year as he takes that, next, takes that jump and kind of starts year two? Yeah, I think everybody was kind of expecting when the Kawhi Leonard rumors started to show up that it was going to be either Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi. I think he's probably the most valuable young asset that the team has. So it was really surprising that Jakob Pertl was all it took. As far as next season, I think the team is looking for him. He was already really efficient last season when you look at his offensive numbers. The goal for next season should be increase that usage. I don't think it needs to increase a ton. He obviously is not going to be the first option there. He'll probably be the fourth most of the time when he's on the court. But if we can just increase his usage a little bit and help him make a, you know, it so often it was either he shot, drove, and kind of made one decision. Once he starts thinking a couple plays ahead and starts thinking about, you know, passes that you don't necessarily see, I think that will be the next step for him to kind of increase that usage a little bit more. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And then, of course, um, you know, you guys retain Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet. That's a hard name to say fast. Oh, it's, t- it's terrible. I, I always mess it up. <laughs> so, Fred, obviously, signed two years, 18.1 mil. Um you know, obviously a really good score off the bench for this team. Do you expect to kind of see now that DeMar's gone, even though Kawhi's there, to kind of see him take a bigger role? You know, I don't know. I, I wrote about this a little bit in a preview post that's coming up. Uh, he played seven minutes per game last season with Kyle Lowry. I'm not sure how much more you can play those two together because they're both so small. It will be interesting to see if Nurse is able to kind of get that combo up to 12 minutes a game or 13 minutes a game. But at the time, I think that he can improve his efficiency, but it will be weird to see, and it will be interesting to see if Nurse is comfortable playing them more together than he has than Casey did in previous seasons. So, Mike, how uh, are, are obviously, you know, the, the big trade asset you guys acquired this year was, was Kawhi Leonard, but uh, you also ended up getting Danny Green in. Uh, in the trade, how do you see him fitting in with this system? I mean, he's been a really good defender in the past, good 3 and D guy. <clears throat> he's going to be, I think he's 31 this year. Do you see him as the as the, a starter or coming off the bench? I would guess he's the starting shooting guard to begin the season. Okay. But I think that he's, he starts, but he doesn't play a ton of minutes. So I would expect him to be around, you know, 20 minutes per game. I think a big question we'll see, at the end of last year, he was kind of yanked in and out of the lineup and didn't get consistent minutes. It will be interesting to see if that was a result of the injury that we now know he had or if that was just a result of him getting older. I think this team has so much depth at the wing that if he is kind of going downhill, I could see him falling out of the rotation completely. 
But to start, I think he'll be a starter. Yeah, I've liked his game for you know a number of years, and I was kind of shocked when San Antonio threw the contract that they threw at him. Um, you know, he was he had an okay season last year, obviously, but he you know he's 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 getting older, you know, injuries, things like that. So, um, you know, I'm 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 glad to see him on a team, you know, where he's going to you know be able to start if that's if that's what's going to happen. But um, yeah, like you said, it, it might be a, a situation where. You know, he might end up on the bench towards the middle of the year. We don't really know, especially uh, with all the wings that they have. Um, now, going back to Demar Derozan, I have to ask you: since we, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of go back a little bit. We were talking before about you know how he spent nine seasons with the Raptors. He could have left many times, and he stayed when a lot of the other stars, a lot of the the really big name guys over the years, left. Uh, is DeMar DeRozan, like, a guy who's going to have his jersey retired in Toronto? Yeah, I certainly think so. I think just what he did for the franchise he leads is the all-time leader in points, all-time leader in minutes. He did so many things for this franchise. I think at this point you have to retire his jersey. It's really him and Vince Carter kind of stand out from the bunch. Yeah. I think there's serious questions on how how high your ceiling is with DeMar DeRozan as your best player, or I don't even think he was the best player last year. I think Kyle Lowry still was. Yeah. But but I think just everything he did for the franchise and what he meant off the court, I think that he he gets his jersey retired. I think that it's probably him and Vince kind of stand out as the guys that have played so far as a Toronto Raptor that get their jersey retired. How how much do you think he's going he's gonna to light up the Raptors the first time they meet San Antonio this year? Or with that, yeah. Well, it, it depends. Do they put Kawhi on him? Because you know that would be a really. <laughs> I, I I know, but I I just I just feel like Demar's got like a bone to pick now at this point. Like he was he seemed so butthurt about getting traded, and 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 rightfully so. Like you said, he, I mean he's he's kind of been like the heart of the Raptors, and like you said, I don't I don't know if he's the best player of the last couple years. Kyle Lowry arguably could be considered a better player than him. Um... But I just, I just have this feeling that their first matchup, he's gonna, he's gonna somehow just go off. Well, yeah, he's mad because I, I think it's fair too that he's mad. Like you said, nobody wants to be told that they're not good enough at their job. Everybody wants to think that they're plenty competent at their job. So to have a franchise that you've invested so much faith in it, be like, hey, sorry, you're just not good enough. Obviously, that's gonna piss anybody off. So I totally get why he's mad. It, <laughs> I think that. He'll come back to uh, insane amount of cheers and admiration. I don't think that there's any ill will to the fan, even with him being upset at the franchise. I think the fans have kind of always understood that, and they love Demar enough that it doesn't matter to them. It will be interesting to see his first game back. I gotta believe the difference between his first game back in Toronto and Kawhi's first in San Antonio are gonna be a world of difference. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see how both of them respond to this trade um, it, in general. But um, going back to Kawhi, so so you got a year to check out Kawhi after all of the obvious, you know, rumors of him wanting to go to L.A. and then some of them seem like they weren't really founded. No one really knows what Kawhi wants or or anything. I mean, he it sounded like he wanted to go to Los Angeles, whether it was the Clippers or the Lakers. Uh, Toronto takes this this you know 
chance on a guy like him just to get a you know a one year deal and and like like you said it might be kind of like a blow up situation if you know he ends up leaving, but with Paul George staying in in Oklahoma City and Kawhi Leonard not really seeming like someone you know who's you know dying for spotlight or anything do you do you think you guys have a pretty good you know chance at retaining Kawhi Leonard? I would say it's probably about 25%. I think, I I don't know if that's, I'm not, for Raptors fans, I think I'm probably on the low end. I think for most of everybody else, it's probably on the high end. I think there's kind of two ways to look at it. It's one is Paul George re-signed, and everybody has kind of used that as the new barometer that, you know, rentals don't have to be rentals. But at the same time, I don't want to be so short-sighted that, one guy resigns, and now we all sudden throw out everything we thought we knew. I think Kawhi Leonard is just such a weird personality in such an odd situation that it's kind of hard to predict it totally. So we'll see what happens. I think that the trade was worth the risk as long as you have at least a somewhat tangible shot of getting him to resign next season, which I think yeah, I think 25% is probably pretty close, but we'll see. I think part of me was just kind of like thinking that Masai Ujiri was taking getting him in a trade and re-signing him as a challenge. Because Masai is totally that kind of dude. I mean, he's awesome at his job. Um, he, you know, he, he has a way of making like, getting the best out of people. So I, I really do believe, like, yeah, obviously Kawhi makes the team better and he's better player than DeMar DeRozan. But I do think there's a part of like him that's like, all right, cool, let me see if I can sign this guy back and if I do, mission accomplished. Right, I think everybody... Masai, they, from all... All that I've read, Masai is a very confident individual in that he is very, you know, very confident in his ability to make guys fall in love with the city. And if he is able to do that, and Toronto's a great city, a lot of people, I mean, it's a pretty big market into its own. So it'll be interesting to see kind of as he, as he stays here, if it grows on him as a city or if that makes it even more distant. Another thing to look at is... If they make the finals, I think it becomes a lot more tangible that you want to stay because you played on the biggest stage, and obviously that's nothing new to Kawhi Leonard. But to me, it would be really hard to leave a team that just made it to the finals for, say, the Lakers, who I don't picture to be much higher than maybe the four seed this year. They are, like, the weirdest, like, prediction. I've seen the Lakers anywhere from, like, the two to the eight to not making the playoffs in the West. And you know what? All of those are possible. It's all fair. Yeah, they have, it. they have a weird roster composition, and I really hate a lot of the players they sign. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I just don't have it in me to bet against LeBron James to make the playoffs. I've seen him carry that Cavaliers team to the finals. I'm like the last him, grabbing the eight, him grabbing the eight seed to me is just, I think that's too easy to bet against. Yeah, I think if anyone's going to be the eighth seed and win, it would be him, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. And I, I don't like a lot of the guys they signed, but I don't mind the kind of standing talent they had. I think Josh Hart's pretty good. I think Kyle Kuzma's useful. I think that you talk about adding LeBron to a team that won 30 games last year. I'm not sure how that team doesn't at least sneak into the playoffs, if not, you know, kind of hang around that five seed. The problem is... Once they face those elite teams, I just don't think that they have another guy that they can go to 
besides LeBron, and I think that's going to kill them when you start talking about kind of the Golden State, Houston, Jazz level of teams. Let's talk about Jonas Valanciunas real quick. Um, obviously, you know, has been a huge part of this, or the Raptors in this in this run, this you know, high seeded playoff run they've been having for the past couple of years. Uh, was a big part of that team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I know he struggled a little bit in that Cavalier series, but I think that team did in general. Um, you know, what do you think that you know with him and Serge Ibaka and the money they're paying both of those guys? What exactly is the ceiling of those two as far as you know, not necessarily just being your full being your front court, but you know what they can do for the for the Raptors going in this year, especially with having a guy like Kawhi, where that makes defense a lot easier. That's the thing. I think so. If you look at the advanced numbers, JV actually comes off as a pretty good defender. Right. I think that's misleading in a way as far as once you get into the playoffs and teams can scheme against you. When you face a mobile big man, he's just not athletic enough to keep up with the pick and pop. I think the hope is with two additional wing defenders and Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard that they're going to be successful enough at navigating picks that it takes some of the pressure off JV. And I think at least they hope that he'll be able to kind of stick to his man a little bit more and less help defense kind of reduces his responsibilities. I think for him and Serge Ibaka, the big thing is next year I think Ibaka will be playing a lot of time as the backup center. I think that those two will spend a decent amount of time kind of mismatching minutes rather than sharing minutes. And I think that's kind of better off for both of them because they're both decent rim protectors but not great on the perimeter. So we talk about misleading numbers a little bit. I kind of want to talk about Kyle Lowry. Um, obviously, he is the point guard of the Raptors. All the great things he's done in his NBA career. Last four years being an all-star. So, he has a weird drop and gain in his numbers simultaneously, uh, if you look at his stats from this year to the year before. Um, obviously, the points are down from 21.6 to 18.2. Um, this is per 36 minutes, of course. And, but the assist total goes up a full one from 6.7 to 7.7. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry is going into his age 32 season. So, you know, and you got you didn't mention that big contract he has. Um, what, what do you really expect to see from Kyle Lowry? You know, do you think he plays that contract out? Do you think there's a point at, like, you know, if, if these weird steady numbers of back and forth go that he could be moved at some point? I think it depends on the Kawhi Leonard situation. I think if Kawhi Leonard comes back, then I I really doubt Kyle Lowry being, being dealt. I think if he leaves in the offseason. Kyle Lowry will is certainly probably overpaid at this point, but he's a really productive player and he's someone that can kind of fit into a lot of teams well because he spaces the floor with his shooting. He's a good defender and is a smart basketball player. I think a lot of teams will use him. It like I said, if Kawhi Leonard resigns he stays. I think if Kawhi's dealt or if Kawhi leaves, I don't necessarily think Lowry's dealt, but I think it becomes a real possibility. Is there a situation where you'd want to see that track contract moved? If it's just, is it just strictly if Kawhi leaves? Yeah, I, I certainly don't want it to happen right now. I think that it's basically if Kawhi leaves, yeah, I'd like to see them kind of see the writing on the wall and that this blow up is happening. And I still think that they have some young assets. I mean, when you talk about Pascal and OG, I don't think you need to strip it down 76ers process style, but I think that 
if Kawhi leaves, there's no reason you need to have a 32-year-old point guard on your roster. I think you might as well try to trade him for perhaps a terrible contract and a pick and start the rebuilding process a year earlier. Talking about Kyle Lowry, obviously uh, one of the greatest Raptors of all time. In terms of you know his legacy with this franchise. Where, where do you see him standing? You know, by the time he leaves this this team, I think it kind of depends who you talk to. The most casual fans think that Demar Derozan's been the best player on this team over the past three seasons. I I don't think that's correct. I think Kyle Lowry's been better, especially when you look at the on off numbers and the defensive statistics. Lowry does so many more things. With that being said, I think that it's been looked at as DeMar's team with Kyle Lowry as the sidekick basically his entire time here, or actually his entire time here. So I don't know if, I think he'll probably go down as the most underrated player in Raptors history because I think he's been viewed as Robin when he's really been Batman for so many years. Yeah, I I think that's fair. And, you know, I, you know, there's definitely an argument that he's, he's, probably been the best player on their team for the last, you know, four or five years. But, you know, he's had such an interesting career, starting <clears throat> in Memphis and then, like, moving up. I mean, how many seasons we're into? Three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? I mean, we're, we're past a decade into his career, and he's, like, one of those guys where his numbers just got better and better, like, every year. When he first got to Toronto, his numbers kind of tapered off a little bit. But since he's been in Toronto, you know, besides the last last season obviously because i mean he's getting older let's not i mean he like you said he's he's probably getting well he is getting overpaid at this point but you know it's interesting to see like how great of a player he's become just in the last few years in toronto and you know without the opportunities he was given there i don't know you know if he would have done the same kind of thing in houston or at memphis before what do you think no i definitely don't think so i think he- He's talked in interviews how he was a hothead kind of younger in his career, and I think it really took Dwayne Casey to get to him to kind of focus that energy on being a better teammate. He, When he first came to Toronto, he remembered saying he's just going to play at his contract and go somewhere else. Masai Ujiri sat him down and said, if you don't play better, you won't get another contract. So that's how you end up getting a guy who probably peaked at his age 30 season, which is absolutely insane to me. And he's someone who, like like you've talked about it, he made his first All-Star appearance at the age of 28, and he's probably going to make his fifth one this year, which to me just, it shows that he was kind of immature young in his career, and he's harnessed that from going from a hothead until now kind of a bulldog personality that I think Raptor fans love. So, go ahead, Tim. Oh, no, you're good. Um, so I was going to kind of ask real, real quick, um, you know, with the, the the cap situation on this team, there isn't a ton of flexibility, but I'm curious if you have an idea. Um, one of our guys that works on our other shows was talking about, you know, the Jimmy Butler scenario right now and what's going to happen with him in Minnesota. And one of the teams he came up with, like, one of the trade finder was Toronto. So, Mike, I ask you, is there a situation where you think Jimmy Butler could be a candidate to be with the Raptors? Because if you have him and Twy Leonard together playing perimeter defense, no one beats that. Right. I, I, I'm kind of going crazy here, I feel, with some of Raptors' Twitter. It's talking about they don't want to give up Pascal Siakam for Jimmy Butler, and it's 
it's kind of mind-boggling to me when you're talking about a top 15 player in the NBA and you're talking about Pascal Siakam, who I love just as much as anyone, but it's Pascal Siakam. I I think it's crazy that if, if things start to go south with the Timberwolves, I would fully expect the Raptors to at least be in the running there. I think it will probably have to be Serge Ibaka plus OG Ananobi plus something else, perhaps maybe the writer Fred Van Vliet. I think that's a price you you have to be willing to pay to get another top 15 player. Because, yes, it might be a rental, but in my opinion, if you do get Jimmy Butler, your chances of re-signing Kawhi Leonard exponentially increase. So you got to think, and with you know the Sixers having their, their young group of up-and-comers, the Embiid, Simmons, Saric, Fultz, etc., that you can want to throw in whoever the third, the Celtics have that Kyrie Hayward... You know, Jason Tatum or in, in Jalen Brown situation, a Kyle Lowry, Jonas Valanciunas, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler four-man group is pretty impressive. Right, I think yeah. Plus, you start to add in, even if you do trade two of your young guys, you still have a good amount of depth because you have Danny Green and then theoretically Delon Wright and Pascal Siakam. And the Raptors have so much depth that they can give up a couple of pieces and still have bench players to fill. So. I think that when you're talking about the Boston Celtics, it will be tough to catch them. I think Toronto's already better than Philly. I think if you get Butler and Kawhi Leonard, you become significantly better than them. So, Mike, one of the things we like to do on this episode when we do our team previews is we try to get the guests to kind of give a bold prediction for the team. Uh, just kind of like a big shocking thing that people don't expect the, you know, the team to do. So we ask you, my friend, do you have a strong, bold prediction for the upcoming season for the Toronto Raptors? Kind of just piggybacking off what we were talking about, I think they make a move at some point this season. I think, I don't know if it's going to be Jimmy Butler. Perhaps Portland finally decides to break up CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Perhaps it's some guy that becomes kind of unhappy that we don't know yet because you're always one unhappy superstar away from making a move, and I think Toronto has the pieces when you talk about OG Ananobi and Fred VanVleet, DeLon Wright, Pascal Siakam, along with kind of the salary filler in Norman Paul and Serge Ibaka. I think that there's a good chance that if someone becomes available, Masai's going to take one more giant home run swing and try to get somebody. Perfect. Well, hey, Mike, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you kind of giving us about a half hour of your time to really talk about the Raptors and everything here. So before we get out of here, um, I know we did a little bit of the beginning, but I'd like to give you another chance to really promote your website, if you have any podcasts or anything, your social media. Uh, the floor is yours, my man. Oh, yeah, just check out raptorsrapture.com. We're coming up with a ton of season preview stuff right now. We'll be going through, you know, all 15 players or 16 right now because we have two partially guaranteed contracts. Going through that, we'll be doing different roundtables, things like that. It's kind of that exciting time where we no longer have to talk in theoretical terms and talk about off-season moves, and we finally get to talk about basketball. So check all our stuff out at RaptorsRapture.com and follow us on Twitter, RaptorsRapture, or me on Twitter, Mike Bo Sports. So that's all I have. Awesome. Well, hey, man, we, you know, we definitely appreciate it. We'll definitely have to have you back on the next, uh, next time we have a Raptors talk. I'm sure if something crazy happens like that movie you mentioned, we'll be sure to be in touch with you. Yeah, awesome. Happy to join anytime. Thank you, guys. Awesome. So this has Thanks, been bye. our Toronto Raptors season preview. Uh, so be sure to check everything out on 40 Network.com. Uh, on behalf of Sean Mackey, this is Tim Daniel. Everyone have a good rest of your night. Come on,
Bullet eyes and flowers are